Against All Odds is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better way to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It has great odds and markets for the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and so much more. Awesome new and existing user promotions. It's America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use, because it's safe and secure, and you get your winnings fast. Now, winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. Discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in. And if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code against all odds so they know I sent you. All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Extra Points Podcast Network. Cousin Sal coming to you on a Friday morning. Joining me, spaghetti and meatballs, fiddling with the knobs, baby face Joel Solomon producing this mess. And as always... My wizards of wagering, my gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, Harry, brother, bride, Darren, the parlay kid. What is happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Poor Sal. What's going on, buddy? (laughs) You're not kidding. I don't know how I got through that chipper, extra chipper intro because uh, we just got some bad news within the hour. Paul George is out, which a crushing blow to my Clippers to make the playoffs uh, bet there. I, I can't even speak. I don't know if you've been keeping up with me. I have a lot of money. I'll just recap it real quick. I have a couple hundred on the Clippers to win the title at 16 to one. No big deal. I'll happily part with that bad job, even though they were top five for first month of the year, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I had that. I had the Clippers to make the playoffs preseason minus 164. I'm going to lose a bundle there. I had the Clippers and Nets. If that wasn't enough, uh, I bet them the other day, both to advance. That should have been done Tuesday, right? I should have, uh, Nets to advance. I sh- the Clippers should have been, I mean, Brian, what is my live line on the Clippers to make the playoffs when they're up nine with five and a half left and Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns is fouled out? What's my live line on them to make the playoffs? They could either win that game, hold on, or win this game against, uh, uh, well, Mine, what ended up being uh, the Pelicans. Uh, yeah, at least, at least, I don't know, close to minus a thousand. Just say minus a million. It'll make me feel better because that's what it would feel like. Seems like. And then I, I go through my list and I, I, I realize, oh, yeah, I had the Pelicans to not make the playoffs. So I have a lot riding on the Clippers. And then this Paul George news comes out that he's uh, he's in COVID protocol. He tested mm. positive. So he is out. And that line now goes from what was it? Clippers minus four to now it's bouncing around even. But the Pelicans were as heavy as a one and a half point favorite going in. So now if I hedge, I know I'm going to take the Pelicans minus one and a half and they're going to win by one. This is, this could be a, a, a disaster of a, 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 the likes of which we've not seen, Harry, this is going to, oh, this is going to be fun. This is something that's going to be wild tonight. Absolutely. <sighs> I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say, Sal. I'm sorry, bud. Told you to take the plus four. I told you to take the plus four. It's a coin flip game, but I can't hedge out. I don't know that I would have anyway, but this absolutely sucks, Parley Kid. And and we have, we're going to have two months of this, I know. Uh, I told uh, you to Sal, take you, a plus four, Sal. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I know. No, 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 listen, Sal. It will all work out. Don't worry about <laughs> you it. You think so? <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. listen, we're, we're yeah. going to go. Uh, listen, we're, we're going to do the Atlantic-Cleveland game. We're going to uh, – I'll let you guys preview this Pelicans-Clippers game at this point because I'm sick of it. And then we got the six series that are set. Uh, there'll be eight after these two games tonight. But there are six that are already set. We're going to give you their exact scores uh, for those series. There you go. And we have B.J. Armstrong coming on. We're going to ask him. Uh, I want to get his thoughts on uh, on who's going to win 
this year, who's going to take it down, and who also is the better player between LeBron and Michael Jordan. Not a lot of people are talking about this, so I want to uh, introduce this topic. Hopefully, it gets a little <laughs> buzz and we get it get it rolling. Uh, one more thing on this Paul George thing. I'm not, th- and this is not sour grapes. Actually, it is sour grapes, but um, these grapes were not crushed this morning. I was saying on extra points yesterday. You know, you got this guy. You got this team in the Pelicans. Uh, they were 10 games under 500. Mm. The Spurs were 14 games under 500. This game should have been played yesterday. And I swear I'm not saying that. I said this yesterday before the Paul George news. They should be forced. First of all, the fact that the NBA has a hole in their schedule at this point after putting us through 33 months of a regular season. Now there's a hole in the schedule for the playoffs. Shame on you. There should have been a playoff game. And that game should have been the 10 games under 500 Pelicans traveling to L.A. to play on no rest against the Clippers parlay, kid. You gotta be. You gotta back me here, for God's sake. Hundred percent back you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you know, you finish basically uh, in uh, the bottom of these standings and uh, ten whatever you said, ten games under. Absolutely should have to have had traveled uh, and played in a back to back game uh, without any rest. Should have happened already, Sal. You're one hundred percent correct on this. Thank there's, you. No, there's no debating that. There's Do no I get money that. for being right about this? For being hundred <laughs> percent right? I feel like I should. Well, and you're <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you're right, Sal, too, because yesterday there should have been a game yesterday somehow. Like yeah. the fact that you didn't, and now you got two tonight. It should that, one of them should have been yesterday anyway. Yes, and that should be the one more other advantage for the higher team. Like uh, the yeah, exactly, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's one more thing to talk about. It's, you know, it's a way to not get a team that won how many games? 35 in the playoffs? Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. All right. So <laughs> I, I just got to cleanse myself of this, even though we're going to talk about it more in a second. Like I said, BJ Armstrong coming up. Oh, we have our prop quiz contest, brother Brian. Now here, here's where you get depressed because you don't have a gold <laughs> cap and the only way to win it is to emerge victorious in our prop quiz. We have all the weekend games. We got some puck action, the Sunday night baseball game, extrapoints.com slash arcade. Go get it. Come in first. Get the gold cap. Uh, speaking of cap, the cap of consequences played out yesterday. Harry, you and Brett Coromanos wore um, sports bras. Yours wasn't really a sports bra, I have to say. You didn't really go out of it. Yeah, out of your way to get it a was, sports It bra. was a true blue. It was a it was a bra. It was a straight up bra. A true blue bra. <laughs> I mean, you saw it. We had the breakout online, but I know I, uh, it would have been extra money. But you, I mean, you saw the Brandy Chastain thing. She wasn't wearing this white um, uh, grandma bra from 1959, was it? I don't have Brian's figure. I you know what can I do? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. That was, what, uh, Harry? Seriously, whose bra was that? That was one of Angie's from a long time ago, and uh, it, it, it really I tried fit on you four well. of hers, and uh, that was, uh, you know. <laughs> but it it was, well. None of them were sports bra. Uh, it doesn't well, matter. Listen, oh, none of them was fit. I wasn't getting, that wasn't getting around my arms. A sports <laughs> bra, bra gonna, that would have nah. look, look funnier. Anyway, all right, so you went to Brett's house in, in uh, Arizona. You guys said uh, it so happens that you live closely. I would have had you do it if you lived across country anyway, but you had uh, you went there. I know. You're both wearing bras. Uh, that was a cap of consequences for coming in last place in our NCAA pool. Congratulations. Harry did a little dance um, during I commented. I think that was basically your bachelor party. So <laughs> congratulations. Good. We got that out good, of the way. Good, good, good. Um, real quick, baseball. I gave out a same game parlay on Fandle. I have my, uh, my ugly fat head up there. My arms folded. I seem to know what I'm talking about. Mets home opener today. I said McNeil would get a hit. The Mets would cover one and a half. It would go over seven and a half, and Bassett would have four, uh, five or more strikeouts. The Mets currently third inning. 
lead one nothing. McNeil's got that hit. Bassett's got two strikeouts, uh, 50 pitches. I guess he's got to pick it up a little bit. Ooh. So how many outs are there? Uh, there's nobody out in the third. So, all right. Uh, what, what do they do? Parlay kid, they'll take him out like in the middle of the third, right? <laughs> like he'll get like, one more out? Uh, no, he'll get he'll get close to five. But once he gets about 80 pitches, Sal, he's done. So Yeah. All right. Look at that. Um, he, str- he just struck out. Uh, he just struck a guy out. There you go. Well, you're rolling, down on you're rolling yeah. on this. Beautiful. This Mets team right. is unstoppable. unstoppable. Oh, man. Let's just play the snakes every day. The snakes and the gnats. Let's go. We can load it up. Uh, we took the series from the Phillies anyway. So there you go. Uh, same game parlay. That'll be completed um, by the time uh, we're done talking here. You could do same game parlays all day long on FanDuel. Turn K's into cash. Big hits into big wins. FanDuel Sportsbook. New customers step up to the plate with a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. And with FanDuel, same game parlays turn little bets in the big paydays. I just showed you how it's done. Sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. My God, what a deal. $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. I, I I do so much not winning. I should be able, I can I can be rich. No better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sports book, FanDuel. Great promotions every day. Safe and secure app, and you get paid fast if you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And sign up using promo code against all odds. You'll get started. They'll give you a risk-free first bet up to a thousand dollars. All right, let's do these play-in games. Now this is it. Winner g- goes on uh, to f- to face the one seed, right? So Atlanta, Cleveland is facing Miami, and the winner of uh, the uh, the Pelicans and the Clippers, who we know to be the Pelicans. At this point, going to play the Phoenix Suns. Oh, shit. How much money do I put on the Phoenix Suns, Brian? What do I do when the Pelicans advance? What will that be? What will you have to? That'll be minus 700 To, get, or to get your money back? Yeah, I don't know. A couple of million dollars? <laughs> Atlanta minus two at Cleveland. Now, I'm not crazy. Some of these lines have really been flying, Brian. When we saw... Mm. Yeah. When we saw this open up, Cleveland was a one-point favorite. Right, which we were, and then we were shocked immediately, at, though, right? Yeah, we thought it would be, right. Yeah, and then Atlanta went to two and a half, and then it's one and a half, and now it's two. And Brian, well, here's another thing to look out for. You people know what to do. Brian and I have big money on Cleveland. This is your bet, Brian. I jumped on to not make the playoffs. I have it at 13 to one. When were you yelling about this? This yeah, was, it was it, uh, at the All-Star break? Well, whenever you went to dinner with Simmons. Well, that was right. No, it was before that. No, it, it was a little no, before. No, it was right? that day. So it was. It was oh, it was but, still thirteen to one. It was right. Yeah, yeah it was right, right, right. It was after the. Yeah, it was right after mm-hmm. the All Star break. But yeah, the Cleveland was minus four thousand to make the playoffs, and they were plus thirteen hundred right. to not make it. I don't have as much on it as as you, but um, yeah, I know. I'm, this is a big game. Well, big game course. for me tonight. That's why it's going to be so disappointing <laughs> to me. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like everybody likes Atlanta. I'm going to stick with Atlanta here. They led by 26 after three against that bum Charlotte team. They, so they got the rest of their guys. I think Jared Allen plays. That's big. Still questionable. Still saying 50-50 game time, but we'll probably find out by the time this post that he's playing. The Hawks 8-2 and two in their last 10 straight up and against the spread. 3-0 and oh in their last three against Cleveland. They won the series 3-1 overall. You know, Garland's solid. You know, he matched... Uh, Match Kyrie like point for point uh, last game. Mobley's a rookie of the year. I just think someone like Levert's going to have to step up and also defend the three ball. Atlanta killed him this year in the three ball. 16, yeah. 14, 17 threes on the games they won. Uh, you're basically asking for Atlanta to win here. So I like minus two. I think they're, they're the better team. They advanced. It's a fun series against Miami. Parley kid, you're, we're, we're all we're all in the same boat here, right? 
Yeah. Um, you know, we've been saying it. Uh, Atlanta's really been playing like the team we thought they were coming into this year. Uh, 28 and 14 in their last 42. Uh, Cleveland, uh, conversely speaking, is 9 and 18 in their last 27. So Atlanta uh, is obviously firing on most of their cylinders, and Cleveland has really struggled here down the stretch. Uh, I think the the loss of Collins uh, has not hurt Atlanta at all. Uh, Hunter mm-hmm. has been inserted into the starting lineup. He's a great uh, defender, slasher, going to the hoop. He's actually improved their team. He's let Because of that, Bogdanovich has been able to come off the bench where he's better suited to come in and, and light it up from deep. Atlanta over the last 10 games is averaging 124 points, which yeah. is uh, far would be number one in the league over that span. And they're averaging 15 uh, three-pointers a game, which is number one in the league in that span. So uh, every, all signs here are pointing to Atlanta. Uh, I know it's, you know, playing in Cleveland um, could be the only uh, factor here, but I just think they're, uh, just a better team right now. They're the team we thought they were. They're really like playing like a 50 plus win team at this point where Cleveland overachieved probably most of the year and they've come back to uh, where we might have thought they would have been. Yeah. And subconsciously, Parlay Kid, the more Atlanta wins, the more it makes your Knicks look good, right? Because they they <laughs> devoured the Knicks last year. What they, they, they yeah, somewhere, it, I, yeah, somewhere I do have Atlanta like at really <laughs> crazy odds to win the East. So that my my heart is yeah. also uh uh you know rooting for them as well. I, I mean, have because of last like, year, yeah, honestly, sounds. like if Atlanta makes the conference semifinals, you could make a good case that Obi Toppin's the MVP <laughs> of the league. I don't know. Somewhere like that. I could somehow figure that out, there I guess. There you go. All right, Brother Brian, you're on Atlanta. Well, too. I, They're just more fun to watch, and Cleveland's been fading, which makes me think <laughs> this is why everyone's on them, and I know, that's why I'm nervous. I know. But I'm, you I'm like nervous, too, because, yeah, we're all on them. And the fact that I not only have the Cavaliers not to make the playoffs, I also decided – um, I was going to put some more money on the Hawks the other day. I put some more money yeah. on the Hawks t- today. So right. um, I just keep, I'm, I'm, this is like your Clippers thing. I just have the Hawks everywhere. Uh, but yeah, the, the Cavs, you know, they have struggled down the stretch. Like Parley Kid was saying, they are three and nine in their last 12. Again, how much, how important were some of those goes, but they games, but they've really struggled, you know, for this since the all-star break. And you could say, even if Allen does play, even when Allen was playing, Post the All Star break, right. they were three and six in his his last nine games that he played. I know Collins being out is big for the Hawks, but they played well without him. They do have a lot of depth, but um, yeah, I think uh, the Hawks, when they want to be, can be a good defensive team. I don't think the Cavs have not played well defensively in a while, even though they have some good defensive players. So I, I just like the I, I, I'm all over the Hawks. I, it makes me nervous because I like them so much, but uh, yeah. I know, yeah. I know. All right, Harry, you're going, and we know what home teams do in these games, right? And we know that sevens and eights usually advance, right? Last year, the sevens and eights all advanced. The, the year before, I think it was one one little wrinkle or something, but typically it's the sevens and eights that advance. But Harry, you're um, playing a little safer going money line here. Money line at minus 120. Uh, they've won three in a row, the Hawks have against uh, Cleveland. All five starters here uh, scored in double digits against Charlotte. This is a situation where Young just takes control. Big D made a nice point there about Bogdanovich coming off the bench. He was 
huge for them last year in the playoffs. Uh, he, he's someone who can take and hit threes when they need him in crucial times. And Brian mentioned Capella last game. He had him over uh, rebounds, 15 and 17 against Charlotte. Hunter at what's 22 and seven uh, against Charlotte. Just think the Hawks are just a little bit more playoff strong here and they get it done against Cleveland. Maybe in a close one, but they get it done. All right, there you go. All right, let's go props. Evan Mobley, he's going to win worker of the year. Uh, I got his under rebound total eight and a half. It's plus one Oh four currently He averages 8.3. So it's right there um, with Jared Allen out. His defensive responsibilities grew a little bit, but I, I don't think his numbers really kept up. He had seven the other night against Brooklyn, eight or fewer in four of the last six regular season games. I'm not going to overthink it. I love me a good under in the player prop department blowout injury. He sits any of that, or if he just plays his average under is yeah. the play for me. I like the uh, value. You get plus money. Under eight and a half, Mobley rebounds. Uh, Parley Kid Garland, you have some couple steals tonight. Yeah, Garland over one and a half steals. Um, at home, he averages uh, slightly over this number. He's gone over this number in four out of his last five and seven of his last 10. Uh, he's an active player, gets his hands in the pass lanes. And for Cleveland to have any shot, I think tonight, uh, they're going to have to create turnovers. So Garland's going to have to step up his game in this area. Plus, uh, it's nice rooting for like a low like number instead of like needing like the last couple of these props I have. I'm rooting for like eight and a half rebounds. Yeah, if yeah. I get one steal early, Sal, at least I you know it makes it exciting the rest of the game, right? So uh, well, also I, I, if, he I like a, if he has a zero in the fourth quarter, uh, you're still in it. If you're he's still playing, in it, right? right? Yeah. Because I've been getting killed with these other props. Yeah, they're tightening uh, so, them up. So let's go. Let's get this one. I think though. Uh, it won't make a difference here for, for Cleveland. All right, Harry, this is a popular one. Trey Young over 30 and a half. Um, actually, was he like 31 and a half the other day? At least, right? Yeah, he was 31 and a half the other day. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it here. The last two games versus Cleveland, 30 and 35. He's had four threes in both those games. He took 24 shots against Charlotte and didn't shoot well, only 8 of 24. Expect him to do better shooting-wise here. This is his time. He loves the big time, especially um, on the road. 20-plus uh, shots in 11 of the last 16 like playoff games. And then over his last six nice. games, five of them, 20-plus shots. So give me Young to show up big time in a game in where the winner goes on and the loser goes home. All right, DeAndre Hunter, Bry, uh, over 14 and a half points. Yeah, I like this. I think it's a little low. You know, with Collins out, Hunter has picked up the slack, yeah. and his offense is going to be needed in this game. And when you look back at, you know, in the last four games when he's gotten 30 minutes or more, he's scored at least 19 points. He's going to get close to 35 minutes in this type of game. So I'd expect him to have a big game. And like I said, I think 14 and a half is probably a little low for him. All right. I mean, all right, let's go on to the night game. I don't even know what to say. I really don't. Like, so now I guess I could check the line. That's one way to kill time with this without crying. Um, you know, I have a lot of money, as I said, riding on the Clippers. Pelicans now one point favorite with the Paul George news. 215 is the over under. I'm I'm going to take New Orleans. I, I'm giving out New Orleans for our graphic because I'm me. And uh, this is what happens. The team 10 games under. 500 is going to go into LA against a team that should have advanced the other day. And now they have no Paul George. So that's it. They are three and one against the spread and straight up against uh, the Clippers this yeah. year. This fucking game should have been played last <laughs> night. All right. I'm taking uh new Orleans. Uh, Harry, you're, you're with me, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get. Well, look, uh, look, I was going to lead with that. I just don't trust the Clippers. And I guess you really can't trust the Clippers now. I mean, New Orleans matches up pretty good against L.A. Uh, Sal, you mentioned they beat them both three, uh, three times, last three times, all by double digits. Valshanun, <laughs> Lunas and uh, Ingram, solid players. Uh, but, you know, it's I'll just I'm going to take the Pelicans and maybe, you know, jinx it and you get your win with the Clippers. Yeah. Great. All right. Uh, Bri, <laughs> Bri, you're, you're staying with that. Yeah, I'm staying with this though. Sal. I know you're, uh, I know you're upset and it sucks right now, but I kind of, I still kind of like the Clippers. I mean, I, the Pelicans aren't good. I mean, I, I don't think they're a good team. We even saw in that Spurs game aside from yeah, McCollum going off. I don't, I don't think they're a really good team. And, and the thing is with the Clippers, at least at home, you know, when you have guys like, you know, Mann, Covington, Powell, those guys I think will all step up. There's also the possibility that Kennard yeah. could come back and play, which would be helpful yeah. in terms of scoring. Um, you know, sure. so with those guys, Covington, Powell, they're good defensive players. So I think they're still going to defend well. It'll probably be a little bit lower scoring of a game without George in here. And uh, I, I still like the Clippers. All right. Paulie kid, a little pep talk here. I, I got good news for you, Sal. I got really <laughs> yeah. good news. Oh, yeah, uh, what is it? One, I'm taking the Clippers on the money line at minus 102. Clippers, okay. are gonna, they're going to win this game. Um, two, just 12 days ago, uh, the Clippers defeated the Pelicans by 19 points in a game in which George and Reggie Jackson shot mm-hmm. nine for 34 from the field, and they still won by 19 points. Why? Yeah. Because this Pelicans team stinks. It's not a good team. I mean, McCollum mm-hmm. has certainly been a, a nice addition to their team, but the Clippers are quite frankly, they're a more veteran team. They got better coaching uh, than this Pelicans team. And right. uh, I think this is, and also in that game, uh, Norman Powell did not play for the Clippers. You insert him. He can almost give you, almost give you what Paul George can give you. A little Paul George light, if you will. They win this game, Sal. You can rest easy. Really? Tonight. Okay. Yes. Wow. Wow. But but <laughs> the right. other three but the other three games that the uh, Pelicans beat them by double digits, that, that gets thrown out the shut up, out Harry. Down. Come on. We've had we have enough. Well, this is the latest game on. they've played. This is the this is wow. when the Pelicans had McCullum, right? That and you know, they had all their guys in the lineup and they and they got beat down. By a team Baby without face. Powell. Babyface, what, what's, what's their record without Paul George, the Clippers? Without him, they are 24 and 27. But all that's out the window. This is the only thing that matters. And this is a must-win game for you. And and right. I, I need the I need no, the Clippers fans no, to go crazy. Sal, I need them to show up. Yeah, Paul, they are. They're going to go. Look, Sal, the Clippers are a, a better defensive team than the Pelicans. A much better defensive defensive team and right. they shoot the three ball really well with or without George. George and is they a defend the three. Yes. And they, defensively they, 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 they're they, the top five right. in almost every Where major the Pelicans category. don't shoot the three ball very well. The Clippers do. And right. they just play better team defense. Defense wins in these games. Just relax. They right. got all the right. win. Sal, all right, this is win. one of those games I know you're going to be su- – because you're going to be so nervous, is this one of those games you're going to watch every second or you're going to be like, I can't even watch this? I think I'll probably watch all of it, including the three overtimes. <laughs> I'll probably watch all of it. I don't know. Uh, I, 
I, I appreciate it, Parley Kid, but I'm having a good time feeling bad for myself here. So let's keep the positive. <laughs> now, Babyface Joel Solomon, you're going to this game. Babyface decided to come to work yesterday and someone just handed him tickets. Wow. I told him good things happen if you go to work. And uh, I mean, for God's sakes, are, are you going to be loud? You better be loud, Babyface. I'm going. I, I honestly feel like the only person with more at stake in this game than you is Steve Ballmer. And uh, I'm going to be I'm going to try to sit next to him because we need this. We need this win. I'm upset you're not going with me, but I, I will be there and I will be cheering my uh, I can't go because it takes too long to get out of there. And I don't want to be doubly depressed. I want to hear that. I want to make sure good fans are going, though, baby. Let me hear what like, your reaction is. If, like uh, like Reggie Jackson to Zubat's alley-oop. Let me hear. Let's hear it right now. And alley-oop and it goes in. Oh, I just took my shirt off. Well, that's not going to help anybody. Well, yeah. It's like the players vomiting on the court. Hey, I learned. That's your reaction? Yeah, I learned from Harry. I learned from Harry. What exactly? What oh, shirt will sakes. you be wearing at the game tonight? Oh, probably uh, not not a Michael Ola Candy one. That's for a sure. Patrick, a Patrick <laughs> Beverly Clippers jersey. Yeah, we're a Patrick Beverly. Pull Patrick Beverly. All right, let's hit the, hit the props. Um, I guess I'll stick with this. I went with this last night, and I looked at it. Still minus oh, 102. Oh, no, I mean, what happened? Did the dog just knock the extra points? <laughs> and just drilled him in the head. Poor Dave. It's all over. It's all Poor over. Dave. What's the point anymore with this dumb dog? With cone on his head. Oh, God. Oh, dog. Poor Good dog. Lord. It's a small cone on his head, too. I don't know hey. what happened to him. He got he got uh, rods taken out of his that, paw. He's not even supposed to be climbing up on the furniture here. He's definitely not whoa. supposed to be knocking down our. So he got a cone on, or is he about to take a flight uh, on a plane? It's, a, it's, a, a, it's supposed pillow? to be what a little. That? Yeah, right. It, it is like a, a pillow, like a flight pillow. There. Look at oh, carrying kids yeah, yeah. like that. Look how stupid this dog is. It's gonna take him an hour and a half to figure no, out. So, no worries. I, uh, Ken was making more noise in the background than your dog was, so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give my dumb pick and then I'm going to uh, lift him off this cushion here. It's uh, Ingram under 20 and a half, 28 and a half. He had 27 the other night, under 29 and four of his last five regular season, four of the last five regular season games. Uh, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game anyway. Like we said, Barley Kid, Clippers top three, top yeah. four defensively. If you look at the categories, he went under in all four of the games against the Clippers 15, mm. 24, 27, and 17. Give me Ingram under 28 and a half. Harry, you have an over. Yeah, I was going to go PG-13 over three and a half threes, but he's out, like we said. So I'm going to take Reggie Jackson at over 20 and a half points, minus 108. Uh, like we just mentioned, no PG-13. Paul has to step it up, too, but I think Jackson's going to be the guy. He's going to have to be the lead scorer for the Clippers. He's going to be the main go-to guy. Playoff savvy, I'm going to go over 20 and a half points with Reggie mm. Jackson. All right, I didn't hear I moved the dog. Uh, Paul, like kid, Powell. Over 21. Yeah. Minutes. Yeah. My first, uh, as you know, um, I was riding with Reggie Jackson over two and a half, three pointers, mm -hmm. which was at plus 132. Now it's minus uh, 116 or something like that. It's because of George not playing. I actually think it hurts Jackson shooting wise without George being able to kind of facilitate for him. So I think Norman Powell, as I had mentioned before, over 21 and a half points picks up the slack and his five games with the Clippers. He's averaging 21 and a half points a game in 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think those minutes go up and the points go up solid player shooting 54% from three point land for the Clippers. Since he has arrived, Powell replaces yeah. George 
on the scoring sheet tonight and has a very, very big game. This guy's a very solid player. I like it. All right, Brother Brian, you're going Jones over one and a half steals. The steals thing is nice. Like we said, you could midway through the fourth quarter. You're not dead as long yeah, as the guy's in yeah, there. Yeah, this right? is a fun one. Herbert Jones has been like, – his the effort he gives has been great. Um, you know, that's most of his game. It's just given a lot of effort, and he makes a lot of plays that way. So he's gone over this eight of his last 11 games. Um, he's averaged over two steals per game since late February. There was a stretch where he was just – two, three, four, even a little bit more some nights. So with the way that I will say with the way the Clippers turned it over against the Timberwolves, you know, Reggie Jackson falling all over the floor all night. Um, I do think uh, two is a, a pretty good one. I think they, I think Minnesota had 10 steals and Clippers had 17 turnovers. So I think he can get two here. Yeah. All right. Let's, so let's move on to the weekend action. Um you know, if I'm around, even for the weekend, who knows what I do to myself? I'm, I'm gonna. By the way, I'm gonna sit down because I know I'm gonna lose a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wake up like at seven in the morning. I'm gonna get away from everybody. I'm like, I need to figure this shit out with these series odds and everything. It's the difference between us going to Santa Barbara for a trip or going to Sky Zone for two hours. So let's <laughs> let's figure this out. So uh, if everything uh, if everything comes up roses, I'll live to see the Celtics Nets. Now it's one thirty and one ten. Oh. I actually haven't checked these. I don't think these are moving around a lot, but these series odds, let's see, minus 130 Celtics, uh, Nets plus 110. Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. And uh, 130, 110. And it opened. The Nets were favored, right? We did see that. We've seen a lot of line movements lately in the NBA. You know what? I'm going Celts to win in seven plus 350. I think, you know, I hate to say it's cliche and everyone's like, let KD get and Kyrie get their 60, 65 and take care of the rest. But it's kind of true. I know Brown and even Drummond probably kid playing well. Uh, he had 16 yeah. the other day before they they took him out. But for the most part, it is what everyone says. You, you neutralize those two yep. and you're in good shape. And if you look at the Celts defense this defense. season, number one, 104 and a half points per game versus the Nets, 112 points per yeah. game. The Nets were 18th. Um, 30 games with under 100 points allowed. That's the best in the NBA for the Celtics. Uh, Nets just 19 and 30 versus winning teams this season, 25 and 8 versus losing teams. They rank bottom seven in made threes, which I think is a it's going to be a common theme for my yeah. picks here. I mean, if you're behind a lot and you don't make threes, I'm not picking you. That's just how it is. Celts, we know, have been great. Best since January 23rd. They're 28 yep. and 7. Uh, Tatum in that stretch, 29 points a game. They're a tough out, the Nets. I think that's all they are, is a tough out. We're going to be a, treated to a fun game seven, and if I'm staring at plus 350 with the Celtics at home, heading into game seven, I'm looking good. Brother Bry, you like it ending even earlier. Yeah, I like it in six at plus 550. Yep. I, did, I just didn't know if I loved the plus 350 going seven games, but you might be right. Maybe it's hard for the Celtics to win on the Nets floor in uh, game six, but... Like you were saying, the Celtics have won the last three in this matchup. I, I I just get the sense this is going to be one of those series where it should be a great series, but I think we're going to see maybe the Celtics blow them out a few games mm -hmm. right at home, and mm -hmm. then the Nets win a couple of close ones. But that thing with the Nets is really like you look at their roster, and this is different from last year. You, Bruce Brown has been great for them. Maybe Patty Mills, yeah. maybe Patty Mills, you know, he gives them some, you know, hits a bunch of threes off the bench. But this rest, the rest of this roster is is terrible. So it's a, you yeah. know, if, if Durant and Kyrie aren't going for 70 plus per night, I think they're in trouble. Um, I, I do think that the Celtics will steal one 
um, in Jersey. The only thing that would worry me a little bit, I guess, in the series is, you know, you have Kyrie going back against the Celtics. That, that would yeah. worry me a little bit. But again, their roster, yeah. they're going to ha- those guys yeah. are going to have to be somewhat superhuman in this series because of the way the Celtics have been playing. So I, I like this. I, I don't know six. how effective he'd be, but they talk about Robert Williams, maybe even coming back game two, game three, somewhere early, yeah. somewhat early in the series. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess on the, the other side too, right? You could say the Celtics are pissed off at Kyrie, right? So both teams, both teams are, yeah. have got yeah. something He's stomping here. on the, uh, on the leprechaun at midcourt <laughs> last year. Yeah. yeah. A lot of bad blood. All right. Philly, yep. Toronto. Now I kind of see a lot of value in Philly minus 184. I know there was so much tanking and maneuvering and trying not to play the nets. And so Philly ended up with Toronto, even though it was looking like they could get a top two seed. They're minus 184, the the comeback Toronto plus 154. I'm taking Philly in six at plus 470. I know we like to make fun of Harden, but, you know, Embiid since the Harden trade plus 193. I'm, I'm crazy with the plus minuses minus 40 without Harden. Um, 54% from field goal, field goal percentage with Harden 38 without like, I don't know. I, I, I kind of trust this. It's still a first round series. Doc Rivers won each of his last two first rounds, uh, in fewer than seven games. They're a good road team. If they go to Toronto 66% and I'm, I, I'm mm. not buying the whole Matisse Thybul not being able to suit up in Toronto like that. I know the guy plays defense, but he averages five and a half points a game. I think they'll be able to figure it out. Meanwhile, again, another bad three-point made stat. This is Toronto. Fewest made threes. Oh, I'm sorry, Philly. Fewest made threes allowed per season. Uh, less than 11 and a half. So that's really good. Worst defending defensive rebounding team in the NBA, Toronto. 32.0 defensive rebounds per game. I think this is one of the better values. Minus 184. Mm. And uh, I like them in six. Uh, Harry, you're taking the Raptors in a classic series. Yeah, I'm going to take them uh, to win in seven. You can get that at plus 650. Raptors worth three and one against Philly this season. Harden is no, Harden has never been a leader, a closer in the playoffs. In fact, he usually chokes. A lot of pressure on him this season. I think it's a, maybe a situation where uh, Toronto plays it where Embiid can get his 30 and 15. But if Harden lays down, Toronto has a great chance to win this uh, opening game and the series. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., second year for uh, Toronto, averaging most points of his career. Van Vliet, Siakam have rings. Sixers don't have shit. Taking Toronto in seven. Oh, oh my God. Clean it up. Jeez, I know. That's that. you, hear me, you hear me swearing on this podcast, Harry? You, Come on. You said, you said fuck earlier. I know. I, uh, I, it's basically the Sopranos this episode. Uh, all right, finishing out the East here. Um, no one gives the the Bulls a shot here. They're seven to one to advance. Milwaukee minus eleven hundred. Uh, I'm Ooh. also not giving the banged up Bulls a chance here. They're awful down the stretch. Two and twelve versus the top four in the East. Eight and fifteen against uh, after the All Star break. You know, I, I don't think they can catch up with Milwaukee scoring power. They don't get hot. They're another team that doesn't get hot behind the arc. They shoot the fewest amount of threes in the league. And that's no good when they're overmatched the way they are. I don't you can't expect them to come roaring back in any of these games. We know DeRozan Parley kid postseason. We know what happens. Yeah. They're 29th in the league rim rate. That's nice. It sounds a little dirty, but that's terrible if Giannis decides to take over. Uh what yeah. You know, wasn't his last year, his point totals were, it was always like 31 and a half and he'd always have either 32, 33 or 34. Wasn't that crazy, Brian? Yeah, like really 10 of 11 close. games. Really so like close. one of those three 
numbers. Uh, I think the only question is Bucks four yep. zero or Bucks four one. Bucks minus two and a half. And Bill Simmons loves that bet all the way up to minus one eighty. So that's tough to even take. That would be four zero or four one. I'll go four zero. I think they sweep plus two thirty. Want to rest some guys. Uh, Harry, you're uh, joining me here. I'm with you, Sal, on that one. The Bulls were awful versus the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They're 0-14 straight up. 0-14 straight up against Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Miami. Uh, obviously, Milwaukee's 4-0 against the Bulls this year. They beat the Bulls two times in the last month by 28-21. and 21, And Giannis wasn't even their highest score in either of those games. Middleton and Holiday, solid players, did great in the playoffs last year. Brooke Lopez is back now. He's played 13 games. He gives them length down low, helps Portis out. Milwaukee in four. All right, there you go. All right, so that's the Eastern Conference. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll go over the Western Conference series this weekend. All right, let's do it. Golden State, Denver. This is the, what am I? I'm getting confused. 3-6? This is the 3-6, right? Yep. Golden State minus 250, Denver plus 205. I'm going Warriors in six here. I think this is the most undervalued uh, series line and team in the whole tournament here. They finally get to play together. They're 77 and 28 in the playoffs under Steve Kerr, 31 and 10 at home this season. That's hard to believe. I don't know, because I think because every time I bet them, they didn't cover or whatever. But 31 and 10 at home is second, only behind Phoenix. Steph, obviously, the ankle is the issue here. I think he steps up 27 points a game in three games against the Nuggets this season. Nuggets, third worst in turnovers. So if you have Draymond Groovin, they play good defense. Uh, Golden State third in opponents' points per game. Denver 14th. Fourth in steals per game against Denver, who is 18th. And, you know, fourth in steals against a team that commits the third most turnovers. Not good. And Steph just kind of Kind of lights up against Jokic. He really does. Uh, Head-to-head, 13-7, and 27 points a game. Jokic will have 16. I like the Warriors here. I like them in six. I'm taking them plus 480. Brother Bri, you like it in even uh, quicker fashion. Yeah, I like it in five. Warriors in five, a plus 260. I actually really like the... the, You can get the Warriors minus one and a half at minus 120 in the series. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, But yeah, I don't see them losing... I don't see them losing at home here, and I think they could steal one, uh, steal one of these games in Denver. But without Murray, without Porter, it's going to be a lot to ask Jokic to carry this team to yeah. even more than one win. Because again, the rest of this roster is uh, terrible. And you know, we saw how well you know how well Golden State played early in the year. They were by far the best team. It's funny they had that stretch the first twenty games where they were the best team yeah. in the NBA. And the one thing I will say, they closed out the year nice, right? Considering you know they won, I think their last five games. Um, to get that three seed. So the games they needed to win, they they did. And that was even without Steph. So this team has a lot of depth. I think, you know, it might take them a game to get into rhythm with Steph back, but I do I do like their overall depth and and defensively they're going to be tough here for uh Denver. So give me them in five. There you go. All right, Utah Dallas. Uh, this is a shame. Hey, you get a upset. It's upsetting. Paul George out, Luka Doncic out, you know. Uh what what's Luca missing? At least game one, Joel, right? Yeah, so far Woj has him out for game one. That's that's the update. Yeah. All right, Utah. I don't know why why you follow Woj. I want you to break your own news, <laughs> babyface. That's why we that's why we pay you here. You know, we gave you nine million. We didn't give you ten million uh, Schefter money, but we gave you nine not to follow Woj's lead. Uh, Utah minus three thirty. Even though Dallas has the uh, home court advantage, Dallas plus two sixty five. I guess that bummer. 
Luca out at least one game. And you can't overstate the impact of Luca. I think he's like the highest, I know he's second highest points per game in playoff history to Jordan, 33 and a half. His usage rate, 39.1%. I mean, you can't, I don't know what you could do with that. <laughs> Guy's in there 40% of the time. Uh, he's 40% of your offense. Not good. Dallas was eight and nine without Luca. 0-5 against playoff-level competition. Utah won its home games by 5-4. and four. Dallas took the two at that when they were home by 14-8, and eight, but Mavs covered all four. I think the Jazz, unfortunately, win this in six with the Luka, against the Lucas uh, Dallas Mavericks, plus 320. Uh, Parley Kid, you think the Mavs pull this out in seven? Yeah, I'm going to roll the dice here that we um, get Luka back by game three. Uh, and Dallas finds a way to scratch out a victory at home uh, mm-hmm. in, in the first two. They're 29 and 12 at home. Utah has a losing record uh, on the road this year. I think Dallas has um, got enough veterans, uh, a good coach, uh, where they can scratch out a home victory. I mean, that's what they do. Uh, this isn't the first time ever that Luka has missed a game. He misses plenty of them, it seems like. So, um, I think they they can scratch something out. I mean, and you just did mention him. Luca is especially in the playoffs. He's fantastic. There's one guy though that's almost better in the playoffs. That's Donovan Mitchell. He's fantastic. Right. Uh, future future Nick there uh, as well. <laughs> uh, and and I say that because let's face it, there's something that's been off with this Jazz team all year, and it's a chemistry thing, right? We've seen the stats uh, about Mitchell and Gobert, right? It's like they have a very obviously strange relationship that. Mitchell never passes in the ball, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, these things are going to uh, rear their ugly head here in uh, the playoffs, I think. And I think if Dallas can scratch one of these first two games out, this is a calf strain for Doncic. I know those can be troublesome, but we're not talking. It's on his knee or something uh, and for that significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think if Doncic comes back by game three, I'm willing to say the Mavericks game seven at home, they win plus 500 here for the Mavericks to win in seven. So I roasted Clay Travis bad yesterday. How are you watching? <laughs> right. He's going on and on about how Dallas is going to win game one. They're going to cover. I don't know why they're getting points. Luca is going to heat up. I'm like, when you say heat up, you mean like the icy hot they put on his strained calf like that? That's going to heat up. You idiot. He's not playing. You know, yeah. Just jaw wide open. Stupid. Just knows, knows nothing. Just more. Listen, more, he said he said two falsing. days ago when the show on Wednesday, he's the hardest working guy at Fox. Right. So. I know he says a lot of things that aren't true, uh, <laughs> but I will say Parley kid four to three. Uh, this is good. Honestly, if he does come back like game three, these, this is a, that's a great number. Five to one. Yeah, on like, the yeah, to one and that's seven. what I, that's what I like about it. And yeah. I do think that I don't see them losing two at home, even without him. I think obviously game one, it's going to depend if they, if they lose, they might for, you mm. know, if they can win game one. He won't play game two. Right. Like that's right. I'm pretty sure no, that. I mean, this is where no we want what. babyface Joel Solomon to go out there instead of riding Woj's coattails. Like, find out. Find <laughs> out if Lucas go to his house, babyface. We want to know if he's playing by game three. Is that asking too much? If he, if that he makes eight and a half Phoenix, million dollars a year. If he played in Phoenix, huh? I could find the address. Phoenix, guys, we can track down. All right. <laughs> yeah, show up with a sports bra. You could do it. Uh, Memphis minus 320 over Minnesota. Wait, Minnesota? Beat the Clippers that game? They're in this game. Okay. <laughs> Memphis minus 320. Minnesota plus 260. This is a spite bet for me for sure. I'm going Grizzlies four to one at plus 260. Phenomenal record against the spread this year. 52, 29, and one. Mm. 
And I mean, a lot of it, not a lot of it, but enough of it was that jump without Jahan Moran, eight and two against the spread in their last 10 games at home. It's kind of cool. Edwards, number one against Ja, number two, or, you know, uh, from that season. But I, I, I don't think, uh, Minnesota can keep up with the score. And by the way, I think they think they won the title the other day. So there's a chance they don't even show up um, for the series. But uh, last 16 games for Memphis, I, I mentioned, even without job for most of them, 122.6 points per game, and allowing yeah. a buck 12. I don't know. They just yeah. score. Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks when he started, all around 17 or 18 a yeah. game every single game. I like the Grizzlies, 4-1 plus 260. Paula Kidd, I know this is your team, but you like it going a little longer. Yeah, I, I I think the T-Wolves just have enough talent. I could see, you know what, I could see the Memphis winning four games rather easily and Minnesota mm-hmm. winning like two tight ones here in this first series as Memphis kind of gets their feet wet in the playoffs with their expectations, a little pressure on them. But Memphis is an excellent team. Uh, they're one of only four teams in the NBA that's in the top 10 uh, efficiency ratings with on offense and defense. Dylan mm-hmm. Brooks is back uh, for the playoffs. I, I believe I'm, I'm correct in that, uh, which only adds to the depth. And these guys got so much time without their best player. Yeah. They all have to have such a high confidence level, which is why we'll talk about that uh, even a little bit more in a second. But I think Minnesota will be game enough. I think they'll capitalize on, on their big three, uh, on a Pat Beverly, who's kind of uh, playoff tested kind of that veteran uh, leadership ability he'll have, and they'll just kind of find a way to win too. But and and on paper, I think this series like it's going to be like four blowouts for Memphis, two close wins for the T Wolves, and um, we'll get plus four twenty. I'll take the Memphis in six. You know those West series odds lines are are low comparatively. I think. Like, all right, throw out Utah, Dallas because you don't know if Luke is coming back. But if you take Memphis and parlay well, it with Golden I j- State, I just did, Sal. I you took, did that. You're, I, you're I almost even. If you had I, the Suns against uh, the Pelicans, yes. which we know that you can get it down to even, right? Probably. Uh, those I, I think I. That's what. That's what we really should be talking about. Which series yeah. are we parlaying here? What are we yeah, parlaying? Yeah. I mean, geez, we can well, parlay these Milwaukee's series. Easy. I mean, even I think Giannis gets hurt. They they even win that. I don't know, but uh, so yeah, those are those are kind of some easy ones, at least to my eye. But uh, you know what, Pelicans did not make the playoffs look easy to me too. <laughs> I, did that. I love uh, I love right. here, Sal. If I could also mention, I do love Memphis minus one and a half games here in this series. It's it's like yeah. minus. It's not even that crazy here. It's like minus uh, one thirty or something like that. That's uh, pretty Memphis, good. Memphis minus one. That's pretty good. They I, take I care of business too. at home. You're in yeah. good shape. Did any yeah. uh, Brian? Did any of those jump out to you? I mentioned Bucks uh, sweep or four one is minus one eight. It's a little high, but yeah, I would, the, I would uh, still take. You know, I would still take Sunday. that though, right? We don't. I don't think the Bulls are winning two games in that series. Yeah, yeah I like that. Like yeah, I said, yeah. I like Golden State minus one and a half. I, I think probably kids right. Probably yeah. Grizzlies maybe. Minus, although I, I I don't know that I'm I'm gonna stay away from I might stay away from that series just because Minnesota screwed me so much the last game <laughs> scumbags <laughs> unbelievable oh man all right let's well let's pick uh let's pick a finals matchup here and then we'll do Sharp Tank then we'll talk to B J Armstrong I'll make it quick I'm gonna go Bucks Warriors I was I was torn between Bucks Suns and Bucks Warriors I think mm. the Warriors everyone's like oh my God yeah that's right I remember this team. You get 15 to one, 15 to one for Bucks Warriors. I think they'll at least be in the final four and you'll be able to hedge uh, out of that. Yeah, right. 
But uh, plus 15, 17 is the <laughs> final number on Bucks Warriors. Harry, you like Bucks Suns. Brian likes Bucks Suns, right? Yeah, defending champs against uh, the Suns, who were the Western Conference uh, champions last year. I just think overall here, Suns just deeper than anyone else in the Western Conference. Uh, when you add uh, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, uh, fantastic players. They were great last year in the playoffs too. Clutch and eight and CP3 and Booker, just overall better team in the West. The Suns have uh, set the franchise record for wins this season and uh, just they're the best team in the NBA, really. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you want to add to that? I mean, it's crazy. We went through this whole season and it's uh, well, not that they're in the finals yet, but they are, those are the finals plus two fifty for the Suns, plus four eighty yeah. for the bucks. There they are. That's the favorite matchup. You like it? Yeah, too. I like it too. Although maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe you're right. Bucks warriors, pretty good odds at 15 to one. I, I mean, that's pretty great. Um, but I do, th- yeah. I, this kind of reminds me a little bit of the Spurs heat rematch. Um, I'm sure Chris Paul's chomping at the bit to get, you know, back, back to the finals healthy this time. Um, although it would be funny if you could bet Chris Paul being healthy by the time you get, you know, I mean, I feel like every, every playoffs, right. There's been one yeah. injury for him. So that would, that's the one thing that would worry me here uh, because he's third right now for MVP in the finals. Right. Chris Paul, eight to one Giannis plus five fifty, Booker plus 500. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, can he, can he stay healthy is the, is the question mm-hmm. because we've seen it every, you know, with whether it was Houston, whether it was last year and that obviously hurt them a little bit in this series, but um, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a rematch here. Paul George, 130 to one, by the way, just looking at it. <laughs> MVP. No, I didn't even make that up. All right. Uh, there you go. Harry. Uh, oh, you already gave me yours. All right. Paul kid. We know you like the Grizzlies 20 to one. Pretty good. Yeah. Bucks uh, Grizzlies uh, combination at 20 to one. Mm. Um, I think I just don't, I feel like this Memphis team, they're flying under the radar. They had such a great year this year. Um, mm-hmm. really one of the uh, best players in the league in, in Morant, uh, and just a deep, deep, uh, team. Like I just mentioned, uh, they are one of the few teams that's, uh, ranked in the top 10 on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. They're first in points scored first in rebounds, first in block shots, uh, as a team. Uh, all these guys got such great experience playing without their star. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a coach uh, that nobody seems to know. How is this? Nobody talks about this guy. Uh, this team, look, I I know, I don't know. They're 2-1 against Phoenix this year. right? So they have a winning record against the Suns. I think they're going to enjoy playing in this underdog role. And they've been fantastic this year. So I think some people might say, oh, they're a year away. I'm not sure about it. Might be th- this year. I mean, the Suns eventually, uh, they had a deep run last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they might get a little weary here. They might get a little leg weary uh, as these playoffs roll on. So let's take the Memphis, who is uh, uh, just a uh, young and upcoming team. Uh, and 20 to 1, I-, I love the Bucks out of the East, too. So I mean, All right. I like this one. I like this. Great value. As far as I'm concerned, there's uh, a lot of fighting, a lot of fighting going on uh, this weekend. Uh, Harry's jumping back in. What is this, Harry? This is uh, we're going to do Sharp Tank right now. You each give me your picks. And how, how'd you do on Sharp Tank this week, Harry? Oh, I lost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I lost. All right. Bounce back here. <laughs> this is MMA. I'm going to take, I'm gonna, yeah, I, I jumped on this one early. I, I um, and I, it's a boost on FanDuel, by the way. It, it was at plus 110, and now it's at plus 140 on the boost bets mm. that you have. And I'm going to take Luke K, um, 
at plus 140 to win by TKO, KO, or submission. Um, if you're wondering, Sally does have a three and a half inch reach. Of course, that's number one. That's number one. Listening otherwise, uh, he yeah. has a bu- much better submission average than Muhammad does. Uh, Luke's won four in a row, all by submission or TKO. And in fact, 19 of his 21 career wins have come by TKO or submission. That includes beating Muhammad in 2016 by TKO in the first round. I got the silent assassin. On Saturday night in Sin City, Sal. That's my sharp tank selection, baby. All right. There you go. Parlay kid, what you got? Yeah. Well, the only reason why <coughs> Harry's probably haven't even heard of Luke K is because I've won on this podcast by <laughs> taking Luke K several, several Darren, times. I, uh, Darren, so, I will say that that's true. But listen, I, I, we, I, we date back to like three fights of his when he took on that, uh, that dude, Nico uh, Price. Who, Price. Uh, killed him. Pummeled him. Pummeled him. And I just pummeled. said, this guy's great. Right. He's a big fan. And he's so, got, and he's got a Q in his name, Sal. Q in the so last I, name. I'm going to fade Harry here. But Parley Kid, did you know the reach advantage? I doubt it. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, Luke K is, is the same. I, I, love, I love Luke K. I think he's 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 very good. But I think Muhammad at plus 150 right now, that that's very good value for a guy that's been taking on all comers uh, the last three or four years of his career. Yes. Did he did he lose uh, get knocked out in 2016 by Luke? Yep, uh, <laughs> but that's that's okay. First round because I always I always think I always think that advantage then goes to the guy who lost uh, in the second fight. That's number one. Um, two, Muhammad uh, is good in all styles. Yeah, I think he, he's going to try to take this to the ground a little bit, and if he does, uh, he's going to wear Luke out a little bit. Um, if you look at a common opponent. Uh, since they fought each other, Luke uh, lost a unanimous decision to Stephen Thompson. Just recently, we saw what Bilal Muhammad did to Stephen Thompson, beat him like fifty to forty forty, and mm. like on like three different cards. Total destruction of him. Uh, he's a very solid fighter. I'll just, I just like, I like both these guys. This is a very underrated matchup here. But also, I'll, I'll just take, I'll take the what I think is an even fight. I'll take Muhammad at plus one fifty. Okay. I'd like to know what Brian and, and Michael think about that too. Um, I just want to know what Michael <laughs> thinks. I don't care what Brian <laughs> thinks. What do you think, Michael? Michael, you're our MMA expert. Out of the Luke eight, uh five, out of these two picks, which would you take? I'm a big Luke eight guy, so I'm going with Luke. I'm going. Oh, I'm taking Harry's. Oh boy, against his oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, big D. That's dangerous. dangerous. Take that, big D. You're so lucky. All your college is paid for already. That would have been bad. All right. I bet you Brian's going with Muhammad. I like like the odds with Muhammad. That was actually, I gave that out as my sharp tank. I think the last, when he fought Wonderboy Thompson and he, and he was, he was, he was a two to one underdog and he dominated that fight. I mean, it's a little different matchup here, but, but I like that. Now, wait a minute, Brian, you're going Errol Spence. I, I, um, Babyface, he wanted to be on this week, right? I thought that I thought that fight was next week. Shit, it, it's this week, huh? This week, but that's uh, how mu- how much he likes you. And um, <laughs> I know. oh man, maybe we'll have him on uh, next week. That's uh, and he's awesome. minus seven hundred. But Bri, you like him by uh, decision? Yeah, I like him by decision at minus one forty. Yeah, I. You know, it's funny. I would I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't put Spence at minus seven hundred and like any parlays or take it by its right. by itself. No, because I will. I'll I know. I know. What that's what I was gonna I say. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Um, Ugas is a da- he's a dangerous fighter. I mean, I, right. I do like Spence. You know, I do think by decision is pretty 
pretty great. I mean, we saw, you know, Ugas is underrated. We saw how well he fought against Pacquiao, even though Pacquiao looked kind of just old in that fight. Um, but, you know, Ugas is a guy who's never been stopped. I, I think this is going to be close, and I think it's going to be close early, and I think Ugas is going to be a pain in the ass for him. But I do yeah. like mm-hmm. Spence tends to fight better as the fight progresses. So I, I think he's going to. I think he's going to win a decision eight four seven five, and I like it at minus uh, my, minus one forty. There you go. But by the way, this is this fight's at Jerry World. Does he fight all his all his fights at Jerry World? It is it from? He Dallas. lives in Dallas. Yeah, no, uh, it just it Long Island like, born though. Long Island yeah, born. It's funny. Right? It feels like uh, all right. You know what? I'm going Long Island born Dallas Cowboys Stadium. I got to go with Spence by decision right. my, minus one forty. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll like yuck it. it up with him on Monday or Tuesday. That'll be nice. fun. There you That'd go. I'm awesome. staying away from the the parlay kid, uh, Harry. You know they they went head to head last. Uh, not not as head. They went head to head last uh, last week, and it wasn't pretty for Harry. But uh, <laughs> I'm staying away. We'll go Spence minus one forty. Uh, there you go. We have BJ Armstrong. This is going to be such a long podcast. Let's bring him in. All right, our guest today appeared in The Last Dance, but he also won three NBA championships with the first dance, Chicago Bulls. He holds the record for hitting 21 straight bank shots at the White House. And <laughs> and if that's not enough, he once assaulted the former mayor of Sacramento, albeit Kevin Johnson, former NBA All-Star B.J. Armstrong is here. What's happening, B.J.? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. What an <laughs> intro. What an intro. You guys do a great job, and thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. Would you have punched Kevin Johnson if you'd known he'd become a, such a prominent political figure? It's just all it's all part of the business. I have no recall of what happened. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I, I have no Smart. idea. I, I got to go take a look at the tape. Isn't that what the coaches say? I got to look at the tape to find out what really happened. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tape's a little grainy, so I think you're good. Yes. I think you're good. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I have so much to talk to you about, but it was around two years ago that you and many of your former Bulls teammates helped. You really did help cure America's boredom, at least boredom, with the Last Dance documentary. You actually lived it. Was there anything in the documentary that surprised you, that jumped out at you? Like, oh, my God, I don't remember that. Oh, oh wow, they're, they're not really telling that right. Well, for the most part, you know, be, you know, just very forthcoming. I don't remember a lot of the stuff. You know, I've just kind of moved on. That was a part of my life that I was young you know, 21 or 22 or something, whatever that time was. And you're just coming in and you're just trying to figure it out like anything. And especially as an NBA player coming out of college, you're playing and you're just trying to make a name for yourself. I wish I would have known my life was really that exciting. I probably would have done some things a lot differently. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know going out to breakfast with guys was fun. I didn't know I'd still be retelling, recounting these stories 30 years 30 something years later. So I had no idea. It it, it was fun. Uh, The funnest part for me about the whole documentary was allowing my kids because my kids weren't born. Then, you know, they finally said, okay, dad, you really played in the NBA. They thought I, they, they they were like, they thought I made all of this up, you know, (laughs) that I played in the NBA and, and won championships and stuff like that. So, but overall I thought it was great, great for the fans. There was a lot of interest and it's kind of like, if you sit there long enough on your front porch, you know, the circus will come back around. So it came back around again and uh, seemed like people enjoyed it. Uh, people loved it. And like I said, I, I thank you for that. Though That was a tough time to get through for sure. I do want to and you bring up the circus. I want to talk about the circus, especially I don't know that there's necessarily gambling in a circus, but there was 
in yours and Michael Jordan's. Do you remember anything specific, odd, that you gambled on? Because that's what I'm interested <laughs> in. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, it, you, know you, you said a word to me that, uh, that my parents, you know, I wasn't allowed to say it when I was uh, growing up there in Detroit. Oh, uh, gambling, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, the boredom, you know, like, so, you know, that was a poor excuse as my mom, I can still hear my mind. That's a poor excuse, right. For anyone to say boredom. So you always try to figure out, keep yourself, keep your mind active and, mm -hmm. you know, gauge your interest and do other things. So, you know, what we did for the most part is guys on the team, you're with these guys 10, 12, 14 hours a day traveling and so forth and so on. So you just tried to engage. There was a lot of competitive spirit, I would say, in the building at all times. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made that team great is that we always were competing. I do remember, you know, because back then we used to travel commercial, you know, commercially we would travel. Right. And one of the things was whose luggage was going to come off first. I don't know why that was a thing. <laughs> you know, it's I love like, that. you know, it's like, so it was always something that was going on and you spend so much time and you began to really see people's personalities. But one of the things I do remember is every single thing that we did, there was always something involved with who was going to win and who was going to lose. So yeah, that was just the nature of that group. And uh, those were a great group of guys. I think, you know what, if you're going to teach like a clinic, it's like, hey, you guys should gamble more. That's what gets you to the top. You want to win 70 games a year? You want to win multiple championships? By the way, the luggage thing seems to be something that could be fixed a little bit. Somebody, you know, MJ hands the, you know, the, the luggage loader an extra five G's and uh, collects 12,000 from you guys when his, right. um, you know, carry on case comes out first. Right. Well, you know, there were, like I said, we had a lot of great moments and uh, those were good times. And, you know, doing that whole time that the uh, last dance was there, it was funny. We were all started connecting with one another. And I can always read every time you would read somebody, whether it was Stacey King or Bill Cartwright or something, mm -hmm. we would all just bust out laughing. You know, it was like, you know, we all had such fond memories and, and recounting all these stories that we had. So it was, a, those were good times. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that, you know, that the guys were able to reconnect and, and everyone played a part in knowing that, you know, those were when we were young guys, you know, we could actually get up and down the court, you know, watching these guys today play, you see a guy fall down. I go, there's no way that I could fall down and get even get back up, <laughs> let alone play yeah. how these guys are playing. So, uh, but those were good times. Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to ask you and because I'm close on it, but okay. I'm also sick of hearing about it and sick of talking about it. So I'm going to take your answer and that's going to be my answer for forever forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who is better was better is better Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Who is better? And then we'll never speak of it again. You just say it and then that's it. We're set. Yeah. You know, you know, it's always an interesting question and I, and I'm not dodging the question, but here well, uh, I want to preface the question by saying this, you know, when you play that game, it's, it's a lot different than being a fan of the game. And, you know, it's been great for me to retire go to the game with my kids, come on podcasts, talk about the game from a fan's perspective. But when you play that game, you really understand that, you know, these guys are really, really, really good, right? And when you start saying who's better, you know, it's, it's very hard for me to say anyone is the greatest of all time and say it with a straight face after I've played the game now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard for me to say that, right? So 
when I when the reason I say that is because the evolution of the game, the 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 equipment is better now. The rules of the game are different now. Uh, the arenas are different. You know, when I first came in the league, I was traveling commercial. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden now guys are, you know, everyone travels privately. The hotels you're staying in are better, right? These guys didn't, some of these guys weren't even allowed to stay in the same, like Bill Russell, these guys weren't even allowed to stay in the same hotels as some of their teammates because of that era that they were in. Right. The way the game was played is different. So there's so many factors that come into it. Now, in the modern era, right, which, you know, everyone we're talking about when Jordan and these guys came in, the game changed, right? It all of a sudden went to a game that was played on television. Sudden, suddenly now we wanted the game to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. We wanted the game to feel a certain way. We wanted the game to be where the, the fan, the casual fan, as it's termed here in NBA circles, to be able to understand the game. So all of these things come into play. And then after you play in the game and what really has really skewed my way of looking at it, it's a business. All right. So when you look at the business of this sport, of how it's played, no one can argue who has been the most successful on the court and off the court with the with the business of basketball in the modern era. Without question, it's been Michael Jordan without question. Okay. Now you're talking about, now let's talk about the game itself. Okay. Now, when you start looking at the numbers of Wilt Chamberlain, guy averages 50 and 20 something guy plays in every game of every minute plus overtime for an entire season. We can't even get guys now to play (laughs) 82 games in a season. Okay. When you look at what Bill Russell did, 11 championships, when you see what, the impact of Julie serving when you see Larry bird in his prime, when you see magic Johnson go to eight championships in 10 years in the eighties. And when you start seeing these things, you start saying, how could you say when you look at Tim Duncan's career, he's won the most games ever in the history of mm-hmm. any player in that span of time, regular season games. When you start seeing the dominance of Shaquille O'Neal, late Kobe Bryant, and then now so now I'm now let's get to your answer of saying LeBron James and Michael Jordan, who's the greatest. There is no LeBron James without Michael Jordan, but there is no Michael Jordan without Julius Erving. There is no uh-huh. Julius Erving without Connie Hawkins and all of those players. And when you play, there's a level of respect that you have to give the game. And I can never disrespect the game by saying someone's the greatest because you know that every player is taken from another. All right. When you watch uh-huh. These players today, LeBron James, the late Kobe Bryant, when you watch Anthony Edwards, for instance, last night, you know the impact that the previous generation had for them. So I'm going to say this about these players. You know, the game is a phenomenal game. No one respected the game, in my humble opinion, more than Michael Jordan. No one, he, he stayed true to the game, to the essence of what the, why we all play this game. I never saw him take a day off in the game. I never saw him take a day off in practice. I saw Mm -hmm. him play the game at the utmost level. And the thing to me that makes him along with all of these players is to be considered the greatest or one of the greatest, because I think it's a lot of great players. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, for instance, how could you not consider him the greatest? Right. Okay. 
in order to reach that level, that level, that essence up there with the very, very top, top, you have to really reject stardom. You have to reject, reject being popular. And I think today's popularity of the game allows us to have these conversations more and more because truthfully speaking, none of us really saw Dr. J play. Right. I didn't see him on television like I can see these players play today. I really didn't see Michael Jordan play. If you want to be honest, none of us really saw him play every game. We saw the highlights. Today, I can watch LeBron James and all of these players every minute of every game and break it down and then start making my comparisons, back it up with stats and all of those things. But truthfully speaking, you didn't see Oscar Robertson. You didn't Mm -hmm. see Irvin Magic Johnson. You really didn't see Larry Bird. You saw some highlights. You saw it, you know, the game might've came on NBC or CBS or whatever it was once a week. And he had a great game. And then you would see your local news. So it's a very unfair question because of the game. We're sitting here because of the game. We Mm -hmm. love the game. There's been some great players. That's all I do is ask unfair questions. That's kind of my thing. It's not an unfair question. It's a great (laughs) question. But unfortunately, I want to be respectful to the game itself, because when you play it, it changes. And when I hear people say it and I get it right and I get it, it's like going to the game. It's hard for me to watch the game as a fan because I start analyzing. I start looking at, I mean, who's the matchups? Why does this play work? I just can't go to the game, get popcorn and sit there with my kids. I start actually watching the game. Okay, Mm -hmm. look at the substitution pattern. So it's very hard for me to see this. LeBron James in this era. It's without question. It's most, he's the best player mm. under these rules. It's a different gotcha. game now. You know what I mean? Like this, it's a totally different game and people, I know it's the NBA. It looks the same, but it's a different game. So in this era and what I respect the most about LeBron James is he's played now for 19, 19 years and mm-hmm. how he's adjusted his game from when he first came in this league to watching him play now to watching him play as a 37-year-old man. You got to make some adjustments in your game. I also respected when I saw Michael Jordan, I saw a young Michael Jordan who was athletic, could attack the rim, you know, was quick as a cat, da-da-da. By the end, he was shooting fadeaways. Right. (laughs) So I respect when these players continue to evolve, they continue to age gracefully, okay? Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan may be the most graceful player I've ever seen because I saw Tim Duncan win a championship as the number one guy. Then he slid over as the second option. By the end, he was the eighth option, according to Greg Popovich. And he still was able to figure out and play the game at an elite level. To me, that's greatness in and of itself. Yeah. Because that's why you play the game. So that's, that's, I don't think it's a fair question. I get it and I understand the question, but I would be disrespectful to the game and all of those players all right. who've played the game. And I'm not ducking it, but I just want to say this. In any given era, you can say who's the best. In this era, is LeBron James is the best. In that era, Michael Jordan was the best. Now, if Michael Jordan was playing in this era, he would be a different player and mm-hmm. vice versa. It right. would be fascinating to see a player with that size play in our era because the equipment wasn't good enough. <laughs> you know, when I watch yeah. Bill Russell and these guys playing Converse cons, 
I go, how? <laughs> like, I can't even walk around in these shoes in my house. How did these guys at that size play in Converse cons? It's a very different game. I, you know, I bet when you played, fans weren't gluing themselves to the floor, right? I mean, that probably only <laughs> I watched had that 10 last or 12 night. times I know. a year. I yeah. mean, I watched that and I go, that's interesting. What's going on here? <laughs> you know, that was really funny last night. So, well, let me say that that was a very thorough. I appreciate your very th- much more thorough than I thought answer. I'm going to read between the lines and say, if you had to choose, it sounded like you're leaning Jordan, but that I might not even have the, the, the right to in mind when you go back in history, you mentioned all those. You didn't mention Charles Barkley. He's going to be very upset that uh, he wasn't you know, in there. Charlie but. was a great. Charlie, listen, Charlie <laughs> was one of the most unique personalities and unique players that I've ever mm-hmm. played against. Right? You know, I, I love it when people say, "Well, there's never been an athlete like LeBron James." Well, yeah, there's been one. Charles Barkley was was six four, six five, tops, mm-hmm. two hundred and whatever, and he was a. He was a runaway train. I mean, when Charles got to moving, there was no charges. <laughs> OK, you you knew yeah. who to take a charge. Charles was a great passer. Um, he could do and, and he could do a lot of different things. But more importantly, he affected the bottom line of the game, the way right. he played at six, four, which was very unique. Um, I'm not saying he and LeBron James have similar games, but they could impose their physical will on the game. And that's what LeBron that's what made him such a unique player because when you're talking about a six, eight athlete or so who was 250, mm-hmm. 260 pounds, we just hadn't seen a player move like that. All right. Um, I, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point in that uh, the accessibility of highlights in particular right. are just, uh, we don't even, even with the documentary and everything else, we haven't even scratched the surface no. on Michael Jordan's gameplay. Mm-hmm. And whereas you wait on Twitter and, you know, LeBron has the dunk of the year or whoever, uh, John Morant, you're going to see it within eight seconds. And who knows 20 years from now what it'll be like. Right. Maybe there's a chip implanted in our and, heads and, where we see it. And I just want to see this. And, and then yeah. I want to say this is because I think about this all the time. Like, who is the best? Like, why are you the best? Why do we consider this player better than this player? Well, it's mm-hmm. one thing that I do think we can figure out. Right. And I don't have the I haven't quite. You know, I don't know how you can measure it, but the fundamentals of the game are the most important aspect of the game. Right. Okay. And when you talk about highlights, LeBron is going to have some of the greatest highlights ever in the history of the game. He's coming. He's he's a highlight machine. Michael Jordan was a highlight machine. But if you're asking me fundamentally speaking, okay, who plays the game with their fundamentals? predominantly more than one it's michael jordan mm-hmm. okay that's fair whether his foot I, you know when you look at michael's game michael was he would just happen to be a phenomenal athlete who played the game but he had an, an incredible fundamental base right his base when i think of fundamentals i played against larry bird and i was just amazed at his fundamentals right just like watching Jokic today you go this guy's not the most athletic you know, we play the game in this era of pace and space and we say all these things. But when you watch Jokic and you watch Luka Doncic, what's allowing these guys to excel? It's their ability to play with the fundamentals of the game. Michael yeah. Jordan's fundamental base was in an elite level, right? 
And the best one I've seen, okay, was probably Larry Bird with my own eyes that I played in a game. Larry Bird's fundamental base to me was just at an all-time high, like everything he did. Then I saw a big Tim Duncan. I go, wow. And I'm, I marvel at fundamentally how great someone can be. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's fundamentals, like, yeah, he was a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, we talk about comp- comp- competition and comp- Okay, that's great. But the reason he could counter everything that was happening on the floor is because of one aspect of his game. Fundamentally speaking, on the offensive end and the defensive end, he knew the game and played the game at a near perfect level of because of, he could counter everything you could do. And yeah. that too, he never relied on his physicality to overwhelm you. He could do that. Right. But fundamentally speaking, to me, that's what separates him. He was just a great basketball player who just also happened to be a great athlete. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys, they're such great athletes. And then you'll see as they lose athleticism, they begin to lose their effect on the game. And, and to me, if you're saying who relied more on their fundamentals, that's without question Jordan, because Jordan's fundamentals and his footwork spacing, he, and he had the hands. And the, hand, the hands to me is really what allowed him to navigate around the court because he could do things with one hand that the most of us had to do with two. And that's mm-hmm. a huge advantage to anybody that's played. And that to me is what separated him from a Kobe Bryant because Kobe Bryant's fundamental base and when you watch his footwork, how he got open, where he received the ball, the angles in which he was attacking, like that's what the pros know. Yeah. And when you watch Jordan, Jordan was playing the game in less than three dribbles every single right. time. And to, to the fan, to the casual fan, you'll say that's not a big deal. But to us who know that if you could get this man to do something in four or five dribbles, that's the difference between him scoring and not. Michael Jordan was doing this in one, two dribbles, and you knew he was playing against double teams, triple teams. And that to me is the details that the pros who playing against him go, man, this guy was unreal. And that's why when you see Reggie Millers, when you see Joe Dumars and these guys who played against them, there's a level of respect because everything you did, he countered it fundamentally speaking. And also he was an athlete that could execute it. Man, what an amazing combination. They never saw anything like it. No. And also his his luggage always came out first, which is, you know, nobody <laughs> else can say that. So, right, right. Uh, that's where the hands come into play again. I do want to ask, we talked about LeBron. It's amazing to me, the NBA, because well, first of all, it seemed it, it, this regular season seemed especially long. We're finally getting to games that matter. Right. We saw the other night. But um to me, the storylines, 90% of the storylines this year were dominated by LeBron James, uh, James Harden. Um, I don't know, that whole Nets uh, Sixers thing. And yet we look up and I'm a gambling man and it's still the odds on favorite to run it back are the Suns and the Bucks. They're the top two favorites to win the whole thing. Do the odds makers have that right? Or do you think somebody can creep out of this mix, this middle of the pack mix and surprise them? Well, I think now the game is so popular now. Everyone's trying to predict. And and one of the easiest ways to predict it is you start looking at stats, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the game and you start watching the game, you know, you got to have there's there's, the game is played with a certain level of athleticism that's required to be. Even in that conversation to be called a champion or, or to advance. And when you look at the teams, 
you know, in, in particular, those teams, the Suns and the Bucks. The reason that those teams are still considered to be the best teams in their respective conferences is because of one thing. They both defend and they defend at a very high level. The Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns are a very, very good defensive team. And Giannis is without question to me, one of the all time unique and will be someday, in my opinion, one of the greatest players of all time because of what he brings on the defensive end and what how he plays as an offensive player. He's just a very unique athlete and his, mm-hmm. you know, the impact on the game is one that coaches and players all understand who played and coached in that and coached in that league understand there's really no counter to what he does. Okay. Right. So when you break all, all the things down, you can talk about scoring and who's this and who's that Giannis will be there. He will be in the vicinity because of the way he plays barring injuries. I think the Milwaukee bucks will come out of the Eastern conference barring injury, the Phoenix suns. Why? It's because they have the two things that's essential to win a championship. And I think they are a better team this year than last year. They have talent and they have depth. And those are the two essential qualities that all teams need when we get done talking about all of the things that will sidetrack us. So the Phoenix Suns, without question, they've been the most consistent team all year. And then Giannis, now that he's got his partner in crime back, Brooke Lopez, Mm -hmm. they can defend at such a high level because now Giannis can roam. He doesn't have to be just a rim protector. He can be on the perimeter. He can guard Kevin Durant for stretches of the game. He can block shots. He can, they can go small with him as the center now. I mean, who mm-hmm. else has a player when you say small ball with a 7-1 guy that can play like Giannis? No one in the league. There's no counter to him. So I think the Milwaukee Bucks, they're the most versatile team because of Giannis. They're the best defensive team because of Giannis. And there's no other big that can play 94 feet like Giannis. You have to wall him in. So when you look at him, the matchup of him alone allows the Milwaukee Bucks to be a superior team. And I think when it's all said and done, they come out of the East again. So this is, this was all a waste of time this year. I can't believe well, it. It's, it's not four, a waste of time. 14 months late. Late. Season. Because, you know, injuries happen, you know, sometime, you know, like <laughs> last night we watching the game against Minnesota. These coaches yeah. are so good, right? Ty Lue, the, the game plan that he had against uh, Carl Anthony Towns last night was fascinating. Like, yeah. How did he figure this out? Like, just think about the detail that he had to go through to figure out how they were going to defend him to where Carl Anthony Town was a non-factor in the game. You're talking about an yeah. all-star caliber player. You're talking about maybe one of the best stretch fives in the league. And Ty Lu put together with his staff a game plan that took him totally out of the game. So I watched the game out of interest because these coaches and these players, they have so much creativity. And until you... So you see it, you know, you got to like see it yourself. It's like probably the athlete right. in me. Prove it to me. I, I know you're the best, but prove it to me. And uh, that was, you know, that to me is like I put in my little notes. Carl Anthony Towns, if you do X, Y and Z, let's see how he's going to counter it. So those are the little games that I watch for. But um, those are things that you got to do. And every player knows, you know, you can't yeah. talk about it. You got to go out there and do it. I do want to ask you, you mentioned uh, Giannis, who I think think Giannis is the best player right now, but I don't know that I would give him the MVP. And I know that sounds crazy to people, but I think, and you know, we're discounting Embiid, who had a fabulous season too. But I would give it to Jokic. Mm -hmm. I think games played 
has to matter. I think there needs to be a minimum mm -hmm. games played standard there. And I believe Giannis has missed 16. I just think it's too many. Do you think there should be a minimum? I, you, you mentioned Tim Duncan. He kind of, and it's more Greg Popovich's fault. He kind of like showed the world like, hey, you don't have to play all 82 or whatever, how many games it is. You can play 65 and still be there in the end. I blame Popovich for that. <laughs> um, on the other side, should you be able to win MVP missing almost a quarter of the season? Well, you know, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about these players missing games and, and, and load management. Oh, I thought I was the first to bring it up. Yeah, right. yeah, it's been a lot of okay. discussion, you know. Yeah, you're 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 right in there. You were at the head of the line, you know. I don't okay, know who's first good. or second, but it's a lot of discussion. This is what you see in the game. You know, just think just think about let's just take Giannis since we're talking about him. When you played against a seven-one guy, okay, he's every bit seven feet, seven one, seven two. Mm -hmm. We never saw a player running around the court in the eighties and the nineties <laughs> and seeing what Giannis is doing. Yeah. He's running at a pace and playing at a pace that we just haven't seen. And it's like driving a you know it's like driving a car, you know. I'm used to going 55 miles an hour, right? And the first time I got on the Autobahn, you know, we're going 100 miles an hour or more, okay? What's the impact of that? Right. Playing at this pace. That's, that's the first thing we have to ask. Okay. When you start seeing Porzingis and Giannis and Joel Embiid and all of these players who are very athletic, you don't know the impact to go that fast. You don't know. I don't, I'll never know what it's like to run as fast as Allen Iverson <laughs> or those guys. Right. When I watch John Morant, I go, I don't know what that impact is of him moving that fast, jumping that high and what that means. Which is why Westbrook probably got it as a six seed five years ago, whatever exactly. it was, right? You just, yeah. but at some point you do know going that fast is going to have some impact, right? Mm -hmm. Hitting that pothole, at 35, 40 miles an hour in a pickup truck is different than hitting that same pothole going 100 miles an hour in a Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to say this. I think what we have to do is look at how they're playing. They're playing too fast now. We just have to admit it. You know, Jokic, I call him and I refer to him. You know, I wasn't the first to say it, but I, I heard someone say it. He is the most charming player in the NBA. Because he he's just playing at his pace. He's playing at mm -hmm. a pace where I'm going, that's how I play. If I played at the gym right now, <laughs> I'm bumping, I'm moving. Right. I'm just, he's playing at a nice pace. I expect him to play more games. Why? Because he's playing at a pace that, that would allow me to play a lot longer. He's going to lose okay. five steps and we're not going to even know it. That's how slow he's moving out there. <laughs> okay. Now that's fair. So essentially you're saying Giannis is kind of playing more games well, because I'm saying he's, he's if you're going to if Giannis he's just is, making up the difference, if Giannis yeah. is going to be Giannis, Giannis is going to require more rest and recovery time mm -hmm. than a player who's not doing that. John Morant gotcha. requires more recovery time than the way he plays. Now, right. as Giannis ages, Giannis and John Morant are going to have to do the following. They're going to play closer mm -hmm. to Jokic. But why? Because they're going to right. have to require more fundamentals because they're not going to be able to 
utilize their athleticism, which I think will allow them to play more games, provided right. they can do that. Think about this. Michael Jordan at, I think, 30. I just saw this stat the other day. He played 82 games, I think, one year in, uh, in Washington at, what, 40 years old. Yeah. Okay. That's insanity. Absolutely. Now, why? Because he understood that he was going to have to get closer and closer to the essence of the game. And the further we get away, because we're always looking at highlights and guys, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong. You know, I used, I worked with a client, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is one of the most athletic players ever. I, I, and, and, and I never told him how to play. I never told him what he should do. I just said, but as you become a pro, you're going to have to learn how to utilize the fundamentals of the game mm-hmm. as you age. To watch him now is a pure joy because I'm watching a player who had all of the highlights at the beginning of his career, and he's still able to get 18 to 20-something points now, but he's just yeah. doing it in a different way. I think right. every player understands that. And the way the game is played, you have to allow these players a, an opportunity to recover because they're going so fast. And I think what you make right. is valid, provided we were playing in that era. This is a different era. I can't evaluate players, you know, as, an, as a former executive, I used to look at players a little different mm-hmm. when I first became an executive. 20 something years. Later, I have to look at the players different. Just like the first pick in the draft used to be players like Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan. And these players, they would come in and impact an organization immediately. Now you look at the first pick in the draft and you're going, well, he's going to need time to develop and grow and figure out what's going on. So it's a different game now. It's a different era. It's the way the game is played. The impact of the bigs now is different. So all of these things come into play. And I just think we have to look at the totality of this before we just start comparing what it used to be. Like, you know, the good old days. Those days are gone. These players are playing a totally different game than okay. what we're You know what? You out. shut me up. No, you I shut me up on that. Just that saying, makes sense. I'm just, look, there was a reason that Giannis wasn't drafted in the lottery. You know why he wasn't drafted yeah. in the lottery? Because we didn't know what we were looking at when we saw him all in Greece. Right. Think about this. Can that translate in the NBA? Right, exactly. There was a reason yeah. Jokic was drafted in the second round. Mm-hmm. None of us know. You know what I mean? Right. None of us know. And because none of us know, we can't sit here and, and, and act like we know now. Giannis, Giannis, a back-to-back MVP. Jokic could be a back-to-back MVP. They weren't even drafted in the lottery. And these yeah, are really intelligent. These are the best of the best. Executives, scouts, coaches, players. None of us knew. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that it's a new game now. And we got to look at it from a different lens because it's a couple of things you can't measure. You can't measure what's in a man's mind and you can't measure what's in his heart. And when you yeah. watch both of those players, they have an incredible creative way of looking at the game, both of them in their own way. Mm-hmm. And they both have giant hearts and you can't measure that. And when you put right. that together with their unique combination of athletic ability, this is what you get. So I don't know how to look at that, measure that, and say, oh, yeah, that's Giannis when I saw him for the first time in Greece. I had no idea. Yeah, I just I yeah I I agree with you. I think it's a slippery slope, though, right? I mean, you you if like 40 games wouldn't be enough. Like Zion can't say, 
hey, because of the way I play, I had to take 82 games off this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, sh- I, I mean, should still be know, MVP. That body so there's, type. There's a happy medium yeah, probably Yeah, that somewhere. body type, you know, like, yeah. look, <laughs> I've only seen that. I've only seen a player. I don't even know if I've ever seen a player. He was more explosive than Charles Barkley, Zion. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've never seen a player that could repeat that level of, of explosiveness consecutively like Zion. Like, I didn't even know what to say. I remember the first time watching him, I was going, this guy jumps 40 on the first jump. Okay, I've seen that before. But the second and third jump may be 40, 42, 44. You're like, what, what is this? Yeah. Like, I've never seen a man that size move like that. And yeah. when you're seeing this, you're going, I don't know what that is. Like, and you don't know the impact of how that's going to work because as big and athletic as he is, He's still a kid and mm-hmm. you don't know the, the body needs time. Right. I learned that from, from, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I learned that from one of my good friends over the years, Ralph Sampson. Bigs, they need more time. And mm-hmm. I'm always concerned when these bigs come out because they play with their hands over their head, which exposes them to more injuries. Yeah. Okay. And when you are a big, you need time. Like, you know, maybe, maybe Tim Duncan and Kareem and those guys who went to school for four years, maybe there's something behind it. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but when you have a big who's athletic and jumping and playing the way they're playing in today's Mm -hmm. game and moving like that, just maybe there's something there because you got to have a certain level of strength in your core to be able to play with your hands. Above I never your thought head. of that that yeah, way. Think yeah, about you're right. These guys are blocking shots, playing with their hands. A, a, yeah. a guy, 280 pounds is hitting you in your back. So maybe there's something there. I think again, that's why we need everyone to sit at the table because there's something. And I remember Ralph Sampson, we had like a three hour discussion and he was just telling me, you know, about the, the transition because of the way bigs play. So that's just one aspect of one thing. And, and there was a reason Kareem and these guys were doing yoga and Will Chamberlain and these guys yeah. were stretching and doing these things. Maybe they were on to something and they should be at the table because everyone wants to do what's best for the game. Wilt had different ways of working his core, too. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, these these uh, these guys have to learn how to block shots without their arms, I think. Give 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 himself a break right. and then they'll do it. I want to ask you one more question because yes. we've, we've kept you a long time. No, here. no worries. Um I'm breaking the news to you now, probably. Frank Vogel was fired. He's no longer the coach of the Lakers. I don't know if that you heard. Who, what about you, BJ Armstrong? What about you taking over? You talk about you rep players. You're on the executive level, you know, from the talent perspective. You got it all all up here. Would you take that job or is that a job that no one should want? Because maybe LeBron is, you know, LeBron is adding all his parts in there and there's not much coaching to be done. Is it, a, is it a coacher's job right now? Well, you know, anytime you have two caliber players, and I say two, and, and I think Russell is deserving here in what he's accomplished. You know, you have two players right now that many still consider, I mean, you know, I'm going to be generous here just because of, you know, you got to actually do it on the court. They're probably both right now in their 15 to top 20 players in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Provided they can play and stay healthy, they can make a say-so to get up there as a top 10 player. So I think you still have two players who can play at that elite level. You know, Russell Westbrook here is at a stage of his career where he's going to have to adjust his game, right? He's going to have to figure out how to adjust and adapt in this game where they're playing with pace. 
he certainly can still do that. But can he provide the space that's necessary to play in this generation and still impact winning? And that's the most important thing. So, you know, every player as they age, they have to adjust. So this is nothing new. Now, you ask about the coaching. I think right now we first got to figure out at what pace can these guys really play? Because right now, LeBron James over the last couple of years has only played in like 50 something games. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a trend, but as we age, hey, you know, I don't think things are going to get better at, at, at the very best. I think you want to be able to maintain where he can play anywhere from 65 to 75 games a year if he's going to have an impact on winning. The thing that stood out to me this year was LeBron James, you know, with his numbers, right? He put up big numbers. He averaged like 30 something mm-hmm. uh, points a game. He still did that. But you can see the impact that it had on winning. This was the first time that I saw LeBron James just couldn't carry a game like he once could. Okay. He still put up the numbers, but you still, you know, like when you watch Kevin Durant last night, he could still carry a game. When you watch Giannis, when you watch Joel Embiid, this is the first time that I'm seeing LeBron James still score. He's still shooting at a high clip. He still has the numbers but he can't carry the game anymore. Now we will say, is that because of the personnel that's around him? Is it say because of AD? Hey, those are all points that you got to take into consideration, but as you next year, he'll be 38 years of age. So I think we all, I think the Lakers, what they have to do and someone way smarter than me is they got to find what's the happy median with this group of where they're at. Right. Hmm. I think if you can get, I think, you know, as you know, I've seen and played for coaches, when you have an mm-hmm. aging player, if you can just get that player to the playoffs healthy, I think LeBron James could play every other night in the playoffs because now you're resting, you're, you're not traveling right. as much and all those things. I think that's why he was so good in the bubble. If you could just get him to a city and he knows he's going to be there for four or five days and he has a routine and he's a pro, right? He obviously takes care of his body. I think... yeah. That's that's one thing. I think if you can figure out how to get him to the playoffs healthy and where you don't put that level of stress on his body at a minimum, limit how many back to backs he plays. I think he can still have an impact on winning. It has nothing to do with the numbers. Right. Because he's a very unique player as a coach. I still feel you can put him in somewhere on the floor as a four, as a three. You can find an advantage for him. Well, let me ask you. They're they're going to you. Oh, You're not looking no, far from they, the arena. They need they someone ask way you. smarter than me. They need someone. No, no, I don't think there is someone way smarter yeah, yeah, than yeah. you. I just talked to you for 45 minutes. I've heard uh, nothing else that rivals that uh, analysis. If they ask you, let's say they make it worth your while. They give you like 700 bucks a week. You do it. <laughs> you know what? For 500 bucks, I'll do it. You know what? For, okay. for the game. But I, I, I still like their team. I know Anthony Davis here had some problems, you know, as far as staying healthy. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, he's not a five. But more importantly, those guys got to figure out where they're at. And if, and I think once they figure out where they're at, I think it's, t- you know, Russell, what are you how do you want to play? And the thing about mm-hmm. Russell that I've always loved about him, when I remember when I first saw him and and as a young kid coming out of UCLA, he was a defensive player, first and foremost. Yeah. And the thing that I would encourage Russell is to get back to being that Russell. Not that he can defend at an elite level anymore, 
but get back to at least being a disciplined defender. And that's the only thing to me that as I was watching Russell this year, because I'm a huge Russell Westbrook fan. And the reason I am is because he shows up, you know, that's like the first requirement of a job. First, you got to show up. Well, Russell Westbrook shows up. And I think if he can just get back to the fundamentals of the game, Mm -hmm. Russell can still play it because he's, he's headstrong. He's stubborn. He, and, and he competes like this. Yeah. Guy, and if I could take that energy and direct it in a positive way, I, I still think they can compete at a level, but they're going to need young people. I will say this, that's going to carry them through the regular season, because to me, that's what they, I don't think they put much value in it. Somebody's going to have to do the work yeah. and they didn't think that all the way through. And then he kept saying, well, it'll happen next month. It'll happen next week. It'll happen. And it never happened to them. And before they knew it, they were on the outside looking in. Well, that, I mean, listen, I tell babyface Joel Solomon, our producer, that every day you have to show up to work. That's uh, first and foremost. Um, That's a good start, a lot of right? Friction. That's a good start. That's right. It's a good start. BJ Armstrong, that was terrific. Do you have anything to plug? I mean, you're, you're I, representing you know, everybody. I, I don't now. plug anything. I, like, I just want to okay. stay true to the game. Listen, um, it was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening uh, to my odd ideas and uh, allowing me to hear and appreciate it. Maybe we can have you on. I, I do podcasts and I do things, but yeah, you know, look out, you know, I'm out there and just uh, sharing. The I'm game. a big Tate Frazier guy. I know Tate think, uh, speaks very highly of you. And, oh yeah. I do uh, a yeah, podcast. with our Tate. first producer. Yeah. I do a yeah. podcast with Tate. I, I do uh, pushing through the podcast with Tate, which is great to work with. I'm, I'm, he allows uh, an old guy to come on and, Share his old <laughs> ideas. I do stuff overseas, Hoop Genius podcast over in Europe. So, you know, check me out. You know, I've just spread it. It's all about the love of the game. And uh, the game is the star. And I'm just very fortunate that I can talk about it and uh, continue to, to respect it and, and share ideas with people like yourself. Well, I'll tell you what, you uh, set me straight on a lot of issues that I was pig-headed about, and we'll probably edit a lot of those out of the podcast. Absolutely. I don't like, editing I don't isn't like editing wrong, the best? But. Editing is the best, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks so much, BJ. Right, Appreciate thank you. it. Yep. All right. There you go, guys. BJ Armstrong. How about he set me straight a little bit on He said Giannis plays really hard, and so it's it's more acceptable that he sits more games than Jokic, and that should be factored in with the MVP. I don't know. I still think Parley Kid there. There's got to be a, a limit, right? There's got to be a minimum. There was a minimum minimum for LeBron for the point title thing, right? Sure, I, I think right. you have to play. Exactly, right? All these leagues have a minimum requirement to win a scoring title. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to play a minimum, right, to be, well, at least in the Major League Baseball, you have to mm-hmm. play a minimum amount of games to be eligible to be a rookie of the year. Uh, or, you know, right? Don't you have to? I think yeah, that's yeah, all. yeah. So why, sure. not, why not for any and of these And to win awards? the batting title. I mean, look, yeah, I, I mean, I, when it's an average, right. you get But yeah, but when you're MVP, like it doesn't seem yeah, it's they, weird. Why? Why not, though? I mean, it's uh, absolutely should. Absolutely. I get it. He plays a harder game that definitely mixes it up more than Jokic. And uh, that, and he's, he's bigger. But babyface, go ahead. What's this breaking news? Tell me. Reggie Jackson's out. Who, who else is out now? The Clippers. What oh, no, it? I was just digging for breaking news. And uh, the hotel block for Harry's wedding is full. You can no longer get out. Is that right? <laughs> yes. That is breaking news. I I knew you were disappointed in me. So I, I there it is. Breaking news. Okay, good. Thank you. You're not gonna see Woj break that, right? I'm on Woj it. Has I'm on it. Commented Joel. on Harry's wedding at all. Also, uh, <laughs> some I, I don't want you to lose focus. The optimism here, all those Clippers playoff losses were at Staples. This is now the crypto arena. I want. Oh, that's so, true. Yes, yes, I, yes. I know Harry's with me there. Crypto is a different arena. This is a different story. 
we got to be optimistic here. We did see Clippers win this year at crypto, right? We were all there yeah. for that. Yeah. Yep. All right. So babyface, keep the streak alive. There you go. We need the Clippers to come through. Uh, prop quiz, extrapoints.com slash arcade. Got the six big games, uh, six that we know of so far, NBA. We're going to have some pucks talk. We're going to have a question on the Sunday night game. I think that's Braves Padres as a tiebreaker. We're going to get brother Bry a gold cap or you, if you win, how about my Mets? My same game parlay. How's it doing here? I had, I had McNeil to get a hit. He now has two. I had the Mets minus one and a half. They're up five, nothing. Mm. I had over seven and a half. All right. Need a little work there. And I had Bassett five or more strikeouts. He's got five. Nice. I'm almost there. Whoa. Nice. How many, how many pitches, Sal? How many pitches? Well, it doesn't really matter. I, I, I want them to give up three runs now. Uh, he has <laughs> uh, 80 pitches now. I, yep. I just I just needed five. Yeah, out of it I doesn't got matter it. now. Nice. Uh, very, very nice. They'll end up winning 5-4. I'll blow the one and a half. That's what it is. But anyway, <laughs> nice start at least. At least I'm in it. Hey, our uh, our friend from Megan Fun of Sports, Megan Connolly, is running the Boston Marathon this weekend. We yeah, want to wish her nice. luck. Good, yeah. good, luck good, good luck, Megan. Good luck. Good luck, her previous, Megan. Her previous uh, best time was 312. Oh, she, that's fast. She sets her over under at 303. She wants... Wow. She wants to get it under three three hours. That's uh that's her goal oh, right man. there. I think we're gonna give money away. Harry, what do you oh. think? She's I think we're gonna give a little prize away if anyone could guess her finish time there. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm gonna you said her best ever is a three oh three, is that what you said? No, three twelve, but she she's she's been wow. training hard. She training really hard. Her. Good luck, Megan. Give us a time, Harry. What do you think? Uh, I'm gonna say uh three hours six minutes. <laughs> You're going over <laughs> what she said. That's great. All right. Well, put in a guess. We'll uh, we'll promote it there. We'll put it online nice. and we'll give that's the winner awesome. a little something. Good luck there, Megan. We will be back Monday. Uh, that's another episode of Against All Odds for Spaghetti, for Meatballs, for Babyface Joel Salmon, for BJ Armstrong. Thanks for coming on. And the Jenner Trifecta, I'm Sal. Thanks so long and happy handicapping. Na, 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 na.